Well, good morning. I, uh, I'm, I'm still getting over a little bit of cold this week. I lost my voice completely on like Tuesday. Um, so pardon me if I, if I sound like a middle school boy and start squeaking. Um, I just want to hit on a couple of things really quickly. Uh, one is, you know, I just want to get... I just want to continue to urge you and encourage you to be praying for um, the, the church shooting last week, um, last Sunday in, in Texas. Be praying for the families, the church there, the surrounding community. Amen. Um, it's times like this, I was, I was just like, just thinking about that over this past week. Times like this, that I'm just, I'm so thankful for the men and women uh, that work behind the scenes here at New Life. That, uh, that work at just keeping our kids safe and um, our child care areas safe and, and, and you safe here. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, if you see an usher or a security person around here today, um, it's kind of a thankless job. Could, could you just tell them thank you for, for the hard work that they put in behind the scenes? Amen. <clears throat> So I, I just I just appreciate that, appreciate that if you do that. Um, the second thing is you might see on the seat next to you there's a blue card that says you belong, and um, there are a lot of opportunities to get involved in in serving opportunities here at New Life. And about once a month we put out one of these cards and it has our top five needs here at New Life. And so if you're if you're ever looking at kind of like getting involved but you're not quite sure what to do or you've looked through the book and you're been like there's so many opportunities here are our top five and we do these we update these every month of uh, serving opportunities. And so if, you, if you're looking, be praying about the, one of those. If one of those hi- is highlighted to you, you can just fill that out and drop it in one of the baskets on your way out today. And, and some of the head of one of the teams will get a hold of you and, and talk to you more a little bit about it. Um, but if you're interested in that, we'd love for you to take, take us up on that opportunity. Um, so <clears throat> last week we were talking about New Year's resolutions, which uh, it's January 5th and... You know, I know that a lot of you are like, well, I was planning on starting on Monday for my resolution. Like, New Year's resolution is a time when we make promises to ourselves that we're going to change ourselves. And um, if you're planning on starting on Monday, I just want you to know this. I went to Planet Fitness a couple days ago. I didn't just start on on, on January, but pretty close to it. Um, Let me tell you, if your resolution is to exercise more, you're not alone. I had to park over at Ocean State Job Lot to be able to get in. Um, it's pretty crazy uh, because we're in this season of, you know, it's a new year, it's a new decade, and uh, like, what, what are we gonna, what's our New Year's resolution? How, how's our life going to change? And we talked last week about the power of habit and, uh, and, and really the, the reality of we know how powerful bad habits are. Maybe you, you smoke or you drink too much or you, you, you bite your nails. Or, look, we all got our, our bad habits. Um, but, like, and we know how hard those things are to break. But the, the, the thing that I want to talk about, and we talked about last week, is what if the power of good habits could actually set you up to a plan to get you where you want to go further and faster? Um, what if there's power in a good habit? First, or, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy. He says, For God has not given you, given us, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. 
And, and we love the power and love part. You know, I need more power in my life. I need more love. Where's the love? You know, I need power and love. But this whole idea that if you have been <clears throat> saved, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you've been given the power to have a sound mind. It, this God-given, Holy Spirit-driven gift of self-discipline. <laughs> Do you realize that? You've been given, in other words, the power to tell yourself what to do and to do it. We, we don't talk about that a lot in, in church. A lot of times, you know, if we want something to change in us or around us or in our life, it's like, Pastor, would you pray for me? Could you zap something into me or zap something out of me that I don't want? Rather than, rather than leaning in and saying, God, you've, been given, you've given me the Holy Spirit. The, the Word of God says that I have the power of self-control, of a sound mind, of self-discipline, and other nasty words like that. I, I've been given the power to, to tell myself what to do and to do it, not just because of who I am, but because of whose I am. And I want to encourage you, I hope you've been doing this over the past week or so, just be praying, God, give, give me a word for 2020. I've been doing this the past, like, probably two or three years, <clears throat> and it has proved to be so instrumental in my walk like and it seems kind of silly but it, like man i just i just started praying and i start praying a little bit earlier i start praying like in november lord what is one word maybe it's two words maybe it's a phrase that you want me to focus on for 2020 something that like it doesn't i know that it's going to be some stuff that's going to happen to me some of it's going to be expected some of it's going to be unexpected some of it i'm going to like some of it i'm not going to like things are going to happen in 2020 but what is a word that i can stay anchored to and focused on and no matter what comes my way, I know what way I'm headed for 2020. So be praying about that. What is it, the thing that, you know, you just need to change, you need to do, you need to give up? Um, and it's different for all of us, depending on our own life stage, the, 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 the season of life that we're in, the relationships that we, that we have in our life. And this, what is that one thing? That's what I want you to focus on. What is the one thing that God is calling you to for 2020 and uh you know it may be something that you've thought about before usually it is it's not new that one thing may be something that somebody has suggested to you and you're like you're stupid you know what i'm talking about i got my own maybe it's something that you've tried before but you lost focus over the course of the time and just kind of let it go and let it slide but what is that one that one thing and here's what I want to say before we get too far into this message today. That one thing that God might be calling you to do may not seem all that spiritual. Because like when we're in church, I don't know if you know this, when we're in church, we like kind of put our church hat on and we all of a sudden start thinking, well, okay, well, so if I'm asking God what he wants me to do, then it has to do with me being a better Christian. And so I got to start thinking about some spiritual habits. And so I know God, what God wants me to do in 2020 is to read my Bible every week for 52 times. I need to read my Bible 52 times in a year. Or I know I need to pray seven times a day. Or I know I need, I need to start doing this. Or I need to start doing these spiritual disciplines. And we, and we, and we kind of lose what is right in front of our face because we're seeking for something that is more spiritual. You're, you understand what I'm saying? We're, we're looking for something that like has God's stamp on it. We're like, oh yeah, this is what, this is what he would want me to do. And, and, and what I find is that the most spiritual thing is sometimes dealing with the things that are right in front of your face. 
sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is that one thing that you just know you need to deal with. Or maybe for some of you, it's to break a habit. I, I mean, you, you just know that you've had, you needed to break it for a long time, but, but maybe you're just like, you know what? This year is the year. I'm done with this thing stealing my relationships and my time and my money. I'm breaking this habit this year. For some of you, it's a goal that you need to accomplish. You know it's been in front of you, and you just kind of, if I don't look at it, it doesn't exist, and I'm just going to let this thing go. But you know that there's a goal that you need to accomplish. For some of you, maybe it's like a relationship that you know you need to restore. And, like, it is difficult because you've been there, and you've been, like, so close before, like, almost calling, almost texting. And yet it's so easy to just, well, I'll wait. Maybe they'll text me. Maybe it's a relationship that you just know you need to restore. For some of you, it's a relationship you know you need to end. Did he just say that? Yeah, I did. Like if you had a button that you could push and it would take away all the pain and the heartache and the, the soul ties that you have in that relationship and, and, and it would just be, it would be gone, you'd probably push it, but there's not a button to push. And so you just kind of, okay, I'm just going to keep going in this thing. For some of you, it's a debt that you need to pay back. And it's maybe not financial. <laughs> you just need to ask for forgiveness. What, whatever that is, that one thing most of us know exactly what it is. Even as I'm talking right now, I mean, you're kind of like, Pastor, get out of my face. Like, you're stomping on my toes here. Like, I, I, I don't want to think about that thing. It's that thing that keeps coming up over and over and over again. And, and like, you'll be in church and you just go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You come up to me after church be like, Pastor, past three weeks you have been preaching to me right here's what i want to say no i haven't but you will continue to hear the same thing over and over and over again even if i'm preaching it or not be until you start to walk in obedience to the calling of god over your life like that's the holy spirit speaking something to you so when you're like man you just lay off me pastor you're preaching to me every single week no it's just the holy spirit prodding you he's calling you He's putting that one thing in front of you. And if we don't see it, we don't make a plan and then work the plan, you may know what that one thing is and yet never get closer to accomplishing it. That, that's the difficulty that, that, that we face. So what I want to do is I want to go into the, the Old Testament today and I want to talk about this guy by the name of Nehemiah. Some of you have heard about Nehemiah. You've read books about Nehemiah. You love Nehemiah. Some of you are like, Nehemiah who? I got no idea who Nehemiah is, Pastor. I know Jesus. That's about it. So here's the deal. What I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a little bit of like a thumbnail sketch of Nehemiah's life. If you're ever looking to, to read a book of the Bible about leadership, read Nehemiah. Nehemiah, I know you love them. Nehemiah is an amazing, amazing man. So let me give you a little bit of, of background real quick. Now, in 444 B.C., which is like long before most of you. Okay, um, okay, you're awake, I get you. Um, 444 BC, Nehemiah is a Jew. He's not living in Jerusalem, he's kind of an exile, and he has a job. His job is cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, who is the king of Persia, cupbearer. Now, some of you are like, I have no idea what a cupbearer is, am I supposed to know? Probably not. 
Let me, let me, let me give you some understanding of what a cupbearer is. Essentially, he is the royal wine taster. Sounds like a pretty posh job, doesn't it? I mean, like, I, I mean, I think of the, these people that are just like, you know, you know, they spit it out and all that kind of stuff because is it good enough for the king? Now, here's, here's the thing. <coughs> There's more to it than that. The cupbearer is the first person to drink the wine before it's given to the king. And it's not to see if it's got good legs, okay? <laughs> it, it's, it's to see if it's poisoned. So, like, if you die, yeah, wine was bad. I mean, think about having a dangerous, honoring job like that. Like, it's fun, all fun and games until, every, until you die. It's like, uh, yeah, it didn't go so well. So he's the cupbearer to the king. A lot of trust needed in that type of a thing, right? You're essentially trusting that, you know, he's not, he's not just cheeking it. Like, he's, he's drinking it, and then, okay, he didn't die, you know? Okay, I guess I can drink it now. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a trusted job. And so Nehemiah, as the cupbearer to the king, hears about his home city of Jerusalem is, is in shambles. The walls have been torn down. The whole place has been a mess for decades, and, and it breaks his heart. He doesn't live there, he's never lived there, but he hears from people that have gone and visited and come back, and it breaks his heart to hear about his city. And I love Nehemiah because he, he, he cries and he prays about it. But, but he's different. He's different because a lot of people cry and pray about stuff, right? You read about things, you cry and you pray about it. But this guy, listen, to, he, he starts praying about something and it's different than normal. This poison wine taster who doesn't even live in Jerusalem starts asking the Lord, <coughs> God, how can I help rebuild the city? What can I do? And my initial question is like, I don't know, what can you do? You're a poison wine tasting servant. Like, uh, I don't know, you're, you're a cupbearer. Stay in your lane, dude. Like, what, you, why, why would you even ask this question? But here's what I know, is when something breaks your heart, you, you just can't shake it. When like something stirs you, you try to ignore it, and you can't. And my question to you is this, what stirs you? Like what? What breaks your heart? Because there are a lot of things you can do in 2020, right? I mean, I want you all to lose weight and save money. Like, please. Like, I want your, you know, I want your New, New Year's resolutions to all be successful and all that kind of stuff. But isn't a much better question, what is the one thing that God is calling you to what is the one thing that God is stirring in your heart? What is the one thing that God is breaking your heart over? That's the question that leads into one of the greatest stories ever written. So Nehemiah decides, okay, I'm going to do something about this. So he asks a preposterous, unthinkable question. He goes up to the king, and he's like, hey, king, can I have some time off? Uh, I was wondering, you know, could I go back to my hometown and uh, help restore and rebuild the walls of my city, my hometown? Could I do that? It's crazy, unthinkable. 
in a crazy turn of, turn of events, Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, is like, okay, yeah, yeah, you should go. Not only that, he's like, <clears throat> um, you know what? I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you governor over Judea. In other words, I'm going to be like mayor of Jerusalem. Oh, huh. okay, sounds great. And not only that, I'm going to give you everything that you need to be able to do what you need to do. Like I'll finance it, make sure everything, here's the only stipulation, Nehemiah. You got to come back because I need me a good, a good wine taster, right? You got to come back after you're done. It's like, okay, deal, deal's a deal. So he gets prepared, starts going to Jerusalem. And I, what, what I need you to understand is like, he gets to Jerusalem and, and you need to, there is no national pride in Jerusalem. The walls have been torn down for so long. They have been open and vulnerable to attack for so long. This is all the people knew, right? They, they were surrounded by these warlords around the city of Jerusalem. And people, would do, they would just come in, they would attack, they would pillage, they would come in and take whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. And, and the people of, of Jerusalem were just used to it. Like this, I guess this is life. We have to try to defend ourselves at any moment and we have no walls to protect us, right? And so Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem. He sees the state of it. His heart breaks again. And he takes a whole day and night walking around the perimeter of Jerusalem. He's walking around and he's looking at it and his heart's breaking and he's, he's just like, my goodness, this is bad. He comes up with a plan and as soon as he comes up with a plan, he goes to the leaders of the city and he pitches his plan. And this is what he says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. He says, then I said to them, to the leaders, you see the trouble that we're in. In other words, this isn't news to any of you. Y'all know what's going on. Jerusalem lies in ruin. And its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. The people get all excited, and they're like, yeah. This must have been a little more rousing speech than I just did. And they, and they replied, let us start rebuilding. Let's do this thing. And the Bible says, so they began to do this good work. Now, meanwhile, there's this guy. He's one of the warlords around Jerusalem. His name is Sanballat. If you're looking for a baby name, <laughs> Sanballat. S-A-N-B-A-L-L-A-T, just in case you're wondering. <clears throat> now, this dude um, is kind of like the leader of all of the other warlords, right? He's kind of the spokesperson. He's the dude in charge. And uh, he's not liking the fact that they're going to try to rebuild the wall. He doesn't like the fact that he's not going to be able to come in and pillage and take whatever he wants whenever he wants it. And so he's like, we got to do something about this, guys. So the first thing he does is he first starts to try mocking them. They're all trying to, you know, build the wall, and he's just, you know, talking to the people and the builders. Like, who do you guys think you are? Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is really what you're trying to do? And they just keep building. They just... And he's mocking them the whole time. Can I just remind you of something? Once you know your one thing and you make a plan and you start working the plan, you will have people in your life that will try to convince you to quit even before you start. And sometimes that person is you. So he just starts thinking, I don't know, just mock them, just make fun of them. 
and they got no self-confidence. We've been, we've been going in and stealing whatever we want whenever we want it. This is going to be easy. These people are weak. They just keep building. They just keep building. It doesn't phase them. They just keep building. Nehemiah, essentially, after that, it doesn't work. He's like, okay, this whole like, mocking thing isn't working. I know what I'm going to do. Sam Balance, like, let's attack them. Let's actually put our money where our mouth is. Let's go after them. So they would attack them while they're working on the wall. These guys are literally trying to build a wall, and they're just like, hi yeah. I don't know what they did. And they're like attacking them, right? Hopefully it wasn't hi yeah. That would be bad. And so what does Nehemiah do? He's like, does he just give up? Oh, I guess we can't do it. It's not going to work. Warlords won't leave us alone. No. No, he's like, all right, fine. Here. Half of you guys come off the wall. You're all going to have to stand guard because of these yahoos around on the outside of the city. Won't, won't leave us alone. The other half of you, I need you to be ready to fight at any given moment. So what I'm going to have you do, you're going to hold a tool in one hand to build the wall, and your other hand, you're going to have a weapon. <laughs> right? Just the builders are walking around. You can read it for yourself. The builders are walking around with swords. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah make sure that's a little plumb, that's a little off. You know, they're just, they're walking around with swords as they're building a wall. The point is this, no matter what, they didn't stop building. They just kept doing it, realizing, all right, we're going to have to change some things. The walls get higher, the wall gets higher, and the higher the wall gets, the more Sanballat gets jiggy and freaking out that they're not stopping. So, one of his, one of his next attempts is he, he's like, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to write a letter. <laughs> kind of silly. I'm going to write a letter, and I'm going I'm I'm to write a letter to, to Nehemiah. I'm going to get him off the wall. We're going to lure him out, out of the city, and then we're going to kill him. This was, this was their plan. It's not a great plan, but it's a plan, right? And so this is what happens in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, these are like the other little like toadies that Sanballat has, um, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Though up at that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem, his toadies, sent me this message. This is what they say. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Let me just tell you. If somebody ever writes you a letter and they're like, hey, come, I want to meet you on the plane of Ono, oh, your first response should be, oh, no. Oh, no. Come on, this is in the Bible. I, I know it's a dad joke, but come on. Like, I'm like, this is too easy. It's like, oh, uh, uh, no. No, it's not going to happen, right? It says this in the, in the Bible. But they were scheming to harm me. He knows that they wanted to kill him. Verse 3, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. And this is the reply that I absolutely love. Like, this is the reply that I think if it could be our reply for 2020. No matter what it is that your one thing is, man, if we could get a hold of this, it would change our life. He says this, <clears throat> I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down. He knew that he had one thing that he needed to be about, and he could not come down. In verse 4, it says, four times they sent the exact 
same message. And each time, he gave him the same answer. I am doing a great work. I can't come down. I'm, I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. I'm sorry, Sam Ballant. Maybe you didn't get my, my second message. I'm doing a great work. I'm not coming down. Oh, I know you want to meet me in the valley of, oh, no, but, oh, no. I'm doing a great work, and I'm sorry, I don't have time. I cannot come down. Four times. Nehemiah knew what it was that God was calling him to. He had a plan, and he was working the plan. He would not lose his focus no matter what. And, and I love what he says. He follows up that, that statement with kind of a question. He says, why should the work stop? Well, I leave it and go down to you. Like, in other words, like, how does me spending time with you in the valley of oh no benefit the calling that I'm about to be doing? In other words, stop getting distracted by things that have nothing to do with your goals. Uh, I'm doing a great work. I ain't coming down. And can I just tell you, as, as American Christians, God has not called you to just be busy. We wear it like a badge of honor, right? How you doing? Well, I'm busy. I'm so busy. Yeah, things are going great. Man, it's busy. Yeah, wow, that sounds good, right? It's busy. It's busy, busy. I can't even spit in the same place twice. Right? Like, it's busy, 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 busy. Wow, man, it sounds awesome for you. Things are going great busy, right? Like, we, like, like it's some sort of like a badge of honor. Let me remind you, God has not called you to just be busy, especially when you're busy doing things that do not matter most. We can be busy even spiritually, even doing a lot of good things, but the reality is God calls us to do and be busy about the things that matter most and and what i find from the life of nehemiah is that sometimes remaining focused mean it doesn't mean saying yes to everything it actually means saying no i know that's like a four-letter word for some of us so sometimes because you're heading into 2020 with, with a word and a plan and you want to remain focused. Sometimes that means saying no to good things so that you can say yes to God things. Like, I am about a great work. I ain't coming down. I, 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 don't, care, I don't care what you have to say. But, but my question is like, like, okay, I, I know this, this, there's this thing that I want to buy and I, and I really want it slash need it, but, but how is that going to get me closer to becoming debt-free? I know that there's this distraction, but, but how is this going to help me repair my marriage? Because I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. How is that commitment that you want me to say yes to going to get me closer to the goal that I know God has for me? Like, how is this person that that I'm reluctantly dating, getting me closer to becoming the person who I'm really looking for is looking for. I'm, I'm doing a great work. I ain't coming down. 
I wonder if we could ask ourselves this question. What are you doing today that is getting you closer to where you want to be tomorrow? All of a sudden, all of those things start to fall off and we start to see life a little clearer and we start to see it with 2020 vision. We look ahead to what it is that God is calling us to. Because if Nehemiah decided, all right, I'm going to come off the wall. I'm going to meet with Sanballat. I'm going to do this thing. I want you to understand this. They would have killed him. Not like, oh, yeah, you're not going to finish the wall like you don't breathe anymore, right? You're, you're, you're done if you decided to come off the wall. Did you know that, that there are things in your life that if, if you choose not to focus on them or complete them, they can wreak havoc in your life, much like Nehemiah? There are things relationally that if you don't pay attention to them, they can actually kill your marriage. There are things financially that I, I, if you don't, if you, I don't want to look at, I don't want to I don't want to think about, they will kill you financially. There are things in your life health-wise that if you don't pay attention to them, if you don't, you don't actually start working towards them, they, they will literally actually kill you. Yeah, if I don't look at it, it doesn't, no, it actually still does. That's the reality of the life that, 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 that we live. And you think, well, well, pastor, this doesn't sound very spiritual. <laughs> How are you going to tell me, like, read the Bible more and pray more and give more and all those kind of things? What is more spiritual than taking care of the body that God has given you? Really? Like, what is, what's more spiritual than maintaining the relationships that God has entrusted you with? I don't really know. What's more spiritual than being good stewards of the treasure that he has entrusted you with? What's, what's more spiritual than achieving the goals and the calling on your life in your lifetime? There's not much more spiritual than that. See, I think that many times we know what the, what the wall is, but we just don't want to pay attention to it. And I want to... I want to encourage you to keep reminding yourself, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. If you have kids, don't forget, you're doing a great work. You're doing a great work. Don't you dare come down from that. If you're married, let me tell you, you've got a great work in front of you. Don't let anything bring you down from that. Like, there are things in your life that are great works that are in front of you. If you're a young adult, maybe you're not married, I want to encourage you. You need to be looking around and saying, you're cute, but I'm not coming down for you. I know you're good looking, but I'm not coming down for you either. I'm about a great work, and, and, and I'm not coming down for you. And if we're honest, we, we all know where that breach in the wall is, that gap in our wall we, we keep, it keeps coming up time and time and time again. Like for maybe, for some of us, it's pornography. I mean, it's killing you. The relationships around you. I just want to just keep saying, I'm doing a great work. I'm not coming down. I, I, th this is what God has put before me. I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to get a blocker, a filter. I'm going to hire a nanny when I'm on the internet. I'm going to flush my phone down the toilet. Why? Because I am not going to allow this craft to steal my marriage or my future spouse. I'm doing a great work. And I can't afford to come down.
Maybe for some of you, it's a relationship that you just know you need to restore. And maybe it's a, a parent, a, a sibling, or grandparent, whatever that is. You know that you need to do something. And, and maybe you just need to ask them for forgiveness. But it is so easy just to convince yourself to do nothing. You are doing a great work. You cannot afford to come down. We all kind of know what that is. We already know, even as I'm saying this, like there's things that like are just been popping up to you. And I know you're like, Pastor, would you just move on? Because I'm, you know, we already know what it is. It's that thing that just keeps rising up in us. And it's been rising up in us for a while. And I just wanna, I just wanna push you forward in that. Even if you already know, we know what we focus, we know what we need to put our attention to. The challenge is this. Will you climb that wall and stay on it? I was hoping you could just like hocus pocus pray over me. No. The challenge for each and every single one of us is are you willing to climb that wall and refuse to come down off it? When that didn't work, Samballot tried to distract Nehemiah by starting a rumor about him. So the four letters didn't work. Come, oh no, oh no, 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 no. The, the fifth letter, it says this, the fifth time Samballot sent his aide to me with the same message in his hand, but he also had an unsealed letter that it was written. So there's a sealed letter and an unsealed letter. And it says this in it, it's, it is reported among the nations and Geshem says it's true. Now, his little toady, Geshem said it was true. That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt. And therefore, you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become the king. And even appointed prophets to make the proclamation about you in Jerusalem. And this is supposedly what they're going to say. Word on the street is this. There is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king. So, Come meet together in the plains of oh no starts, starts making this stuff up they're hoping that Nehemiah is going to come off the wall and he's going to be like oh no right? sorry and he's like he's going to he's going to go back to, to King Artaxerxes and be like king I just want you to know it was not true what the bad men are saying I didn't do any of that and he's going to go back and he's going to go back to Persia and hold people's hands and pat people's back and massage this and do that and I just want you to know I'm still a good guy and I don't have any ill intentions they're hoping that he would be distracted by trying to protect his own reputation but this is what he does verse 8 watch this I sent him this reply this is Nehemiah speaking nothing like what you're saying is happening you're just making it up out of your head. I love him. He's so, like, matter-of-fact. You know what Nehemiah does? He doesn't leave the wall, even to protect his own reputation. Because if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. He's like, uh, you're being stupid. <laughs> I'm going back to, I'm going to have nothing to say to that, Sanballat, but that was a great try, number five. So he doesn't leave. He's like, no, no, I'm not leaving. And then Nehemiah has this friend. His name's Shemaiah. Apparently there's a lot of ayahs. And so Shemaiah's like, hey, buddy, listen. I just want you to know, I was hearing there's some men 
inside of Jerusalem. They want to kill you. They're going to come in the dark of night, and they're going to take you out. This is what you need to do. Nehemiah, come off the wall. Come in. Let's go. We're going to run. We're going to hide in the temple. Get in the temple, and we're going to shut the doors to the temple because nobody can kill you if you're in the temple. This is the way to get out. This is, I, I'm trying to help you. Verse 11. This is Nehemiah's answer. Should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I love it. He's like, I don't know if you know this, Shemaiah. I'm doing a great work. It's been going around. I've been saying this a few times. I'm doing a great work. I, I'm not coming down. I cannot come down. I'm not going to let rumors pull me down. I'm not going to let the fear of the king of stinking Persia pull me down. I'm not going to let, you know, warlords from without pull me down. I'm not going to let weird people from inside try to pull me down. I'm not going to let threats pull me down. I am doing a great work here, and uh, I cannot and I will not come down. Isn't it amazing that when someone gets a word from the Lord and makes a plan and starts working the plan, that adversaries and distractions and fears and threats and mockery and rumors and setbacks always come up. Like, are you kidding me, dude? I didn't even, what in the world? Like, this is legit what's going on right now? Like, I just... I get a word from God, a burden from God. I make a plan. I start working the plan. And all of a sudden, all hell cuts loose on you. Friends you thought you had, friends you knew you didn't have, all of them come out. And I want to tell you, anything worth doing is never easy. It is the struggle that makes it great. So the thing that God might be calling you to do, you may be like, I just don't know. It doesn't sound very easy. It probably won't be. <laughs> That's why he's calling you to it. That's why it's a wall that needs to be rebuilt. It takes work. It takes commitment. It takes steeliness. Like it ne takes Nehemiah-type faith to say, I'm doing a great work and I'm not coming down for anything or anyone. Sorry. But this is where I'm at. <laughs> why don't you stand with me? I love how this story ends. Um, you've just, I've given you like a, a, a broad swath of Nehemiah's life, of things that he did. Nehemiah finally finishes the wall, and he writes about it. And we see it in Nehemiah chapter 6. This is what he says. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. Let's just pause here for a second. 52 days? All of that happened in 52 days? I mean, I'd be thinking, well, this is probably like a five-year project, right? Oh, 52 stinking days he was dealing with these idiots. 52 days. Like many of us would be like, I'm out after two weeks. He just decides, you know what? I have a great work in front of me and I'm not coming down for anything. 
and completes it in less than two months. And then it says in verse 16, when, when all our enemies heard about this, Sanballat, Geshem, and the other Arab, and the, you know, all these little toadies, when they all heard about this, I want you to see this. All the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. And I want you to notice something there. You can read through Nehemiah yourself. There's no, like, supernatural, amazing sign, gift, wonders that happen in Nehemiah. Like, they didn't wake up one morning and Nehemiah's like, oh my goodness, God sent some angels to make some walls for us. Like, this was awesome. That's why we got it done in 52 days. Nope. It's not actually what happens. Like, it's, it's literally a people led by a leader who got a vision and a burden that God broke his heart over. He came up with a plan and started working the plan and finished it in 52 days. And everyone stand back. Come on. Are you kidding me right now? A people that got a vision to move forward and to finish and not come off it no matter what. And it wasn't finished for them. It was their self-discipline. They tapped into this this whole thing that, like, with the help of God, he can take our weakness and make it strong. It was their self-discipline that God honored, their determination that God honored. The Bible says that the, their enemies took a stand back and, and notice, and I love how he describes it. He says, they were afraid and lost their self-confidence. You want to know how to save or scare off your enemies? You want to know how to scare off your enemies? Climb your wall and don't come down. <laughs> well, I was kind of hoping that, like, you know, God was just going to, like, make it happen. Or I was going to wake up and just going to be fixed. Mm -hmm. No. You scare off your enemies <laughs> by leaning into the reality that you are weak and he is strong. And you climb the wall with determination and steeliness and Nehemiah-like faith, unwilling to let mockery and rumors and complaints and competing opportunities come up to take us off of the wall that God's placed us on. Because what these people were able to accomplish in 52 days could have only been done by the help of their God. And, and it never would have happened unless a poisoned, wine-tasting servant decided to not stay in his lane and to take his burden and own it and make a preposterous question to a king and not care about the mocking, not care about the distractions, not care about the who do the heck you think you are, not care about uh, competing opportunities or threats or fears or reputation smears. Like, he just decided... I'm going to begin the good work that God has placed before me, and I'm going to simply refuse to be pulled off from it. <laughs> what is your one thing? That thing that you just know that you just need to be about. You just know that that's what it's at. And look, I want you, I said this before, I want you to lose weight and save money. Believe me, I want, I want that for you. But what if God wants something more than that? 
So whatever that is, whatever that, that one thing is for you, my prayer, my hope is that you would leave this room and do it. Well, I'm scared. I get it. Do it scared. <laughs> A lot of times we're waiting for courage to rise up on the inside of us. Let me just tell you, sometimes God will call you something that you're not, and you're looking saying, I can't do this. He's like, I know, that's why you need me. But I'm calling you to do it scared. And I know you don't have enough to do it. That's why I'm going to walk through it with you. And even if the enemy starts whispering, and even if people around you start, start you know, mocking you, who do you think you are? Oh, you think you've changed? Oh, even if rumors start flying, even if people don't understand, why in the world are you saying no to things that you've always said yes to? You've always done this with me. Why are you saying no? You've always said yes to this. This is who we are. This is what we do. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. And I want to leave you with this last idea, is that you have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to climb your wall. You have no idea. You're doing a great work. And I cannot come down. we end here today, I want to just, we're going to end in some worship and this is what I want to encourage you to do. Maybe you haven't had some time to be praying about this. I want to encourage you to just be praying right now. And, and, and if you're like, man, I just don't know. I've been trying all week to, to pray that God would reveal something to me, a word, a phrase, to whatever that is. I want, you're, you're probably thinking too hard. That <laughs> just doesn't sound spiritual enough. It's mm, probably about right then. thing that's right in front of your face. And I want to encourage you that 2020 will be different than 2019. Because we are a people who will climb the wall and not come down. So Jesus, I pray for courage right now. Not just that we wait for courage to come so that we start to walk in faith, but that we just do it scared. Because we know that we know that we're called to something greater than subsistence. Greater than living, greater than surviving. You've called us to more. And Lord, I pray for courage as we walk faithfully in obedience to your word, even when we don't know how it's going to work out, even when we don't know how it's all going to play out, even as we head into 2020 and we don't know the things that might happen that are unexpected or, or that are expected. Jesus, we choose to climb that wall and not come down. If maybe that's where you're at right now, I just want to encourage you, just between you and the Lord, just raise your hand and say, God, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you, and I'm scared, but I need to do it scared. Lord, give me the courage to walk it out and to not come down. Jesus, have your way in us, in our lives, in our marriages, with our kids and our families, in our relationships and our job. Lord, that we would truly understand that anything that you call us to is a great work and we can't come down from it. Lift as we lift you up, Lord. I pray you speak to your people. Give them fresh vision and a plan to walk out that which you've called them to. Be with us today as we worship you, as we lift your name higher than ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.